Blog Talk Radio. This is a post time with Mike and Mike production. Wavelet, Jiglet, what a race! Always be Mickey on the outside. Always be Mickey! They're off and it is on! And betting line has taken the lead. Choo choo! Boom! You're tuned in to Harness Racing's fastest 90 minutes post-time with Mike and Mike, with co-host Mike Carter. Believe in the spirit? Do you believe in miracles? And Mike Bozen. Smoking Gun, Shaman Hall, production Smoking Gun is flying. Here comes Smoking Gun. I don't know! Oh, yeah. That just happened! That just happened! Don't touch that dial. You've got post time with Mike, Mike presented by Bet America. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich, and it's the post time with Mike and Mike awards nomination show on Mike, a day that lives in infamy, that's for sure. <laughs> well, it always does. It seems like the computers know exactly what this time of year is, too, because that's when they start acting up. It's almost like a car, Mike. You notice every tax <laughs> season, when you get a nice refund, that's when the cars start breaking down. It's like something sniffs that you're getting money and demands that attention. But uh, nonetheless, we're going to fight through this uh, thing today, my friend. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, listen, we've got a jam-packed show. We've got uh, the awards nominations. Listen, Mike, it's in. We we have the six at each category, and I'll tell you what, I couldn't be more excited. Yeah, these are some stacked fields, and I'll tell you what, like we talked about, you know, the last couple of years, especially in a few different categories, it was pretty easy, I think, to pick the winner. This year, not so much. I mean, there are some wide, wide open races. In uh, Now we have seven awards, Mike. We had six for the past couple of years. Now this is the third annual, and we have got seven included now is the USTA Innovator of the Year. And, Mike, that was the new award. And obviously that was the most popular. That was the award, Mike, that we've got the most nominations in. Yeah, I believe uh, we got uh, 13 or 14 uh, nominations in that category. And uh, I was talking with the United States Trotting Association, Allison Conti, uh, earlier this morning. And I'll tell you what, they are super, super impressed with all the candidates, all 14 of them, Mike. Everybody had a shot in that category to uh, potentially uh, show up on the sixth. But I'll tell you what, what a competitive field that is drawn. Oh, absolutely. But uh, let's, uh, before we get into this, Mike, and we're going to kind of scatter this throughout the show because we do have a couple of guests. Our inside handicapping segment uh, returns today with Derek Givner. That's going to be around 11.15 or so from the Daily Racing Forum. We're going to get his inside, his handicapping mind. Plus, we've got the Walking Encyclopedia of Harness Racing. Mike, uh, right back on the program, Hollywood Hayden. The final Breeders' Crown Hamiltonian Society poll was just released. It was uh, some very interesting voting there. It's going to be very interesting to see who's going to take down the Horse of the Year honors. And we're going to get Holly's uh, take on some of the great horses that he 
uh, seen this year that he saw this year, including uh, the great Hanalore Hanover, uh, Manchego, uh, the super uh, young trotter. And uh, I'll tell you, it's, uh, it was a very interesting poll. We're going to get inside of Holly's brain and see if there are any surprises, uh, see what performances stuck out with him throughout the course of the year. But first, Mike, before we get into the uh, actual announcements of the, uh, for the uh, awards, I do want to thank our sponsors, Mike. Uh, some of the sponsors that are rejoining us this year for the 2017 Post Time with Mike and Mike Awards. Uh, the USDA is on board, of course. The USDA sponsoring the Innovator of the Year. Kentucky Sire Stakes on board, Mike. They are sponsoring the Sam McKee Race Call of the Year. And, of course, the race call named after Sam McKee, uh, unfortunately passing away earlier this year. So that award now named in his honor. And, uh, of course, Hoosier Park once again coming on board, sponsoring the Larry Reinheimer Small Stable of the Year Award. Mike, I'll tell you, I am so excited. This is a great, great time of year. This awards thing is just it, – it's taken off, Mike, beyond our wildest dreams. And uh, it's good to see – some of these horsemen, horsewomen, and horses uh, getting the attention I think that they deserve. They wouldn't necessarily get this attention, Mike, if it kind of wasn't for these awards. Yeah, definitely, especially the Iron Horse Award. That's, that award has really taken shape over the last couple of years, Mike. And I'll tell you what, uh, it's probably one of my favorite awards to kind of put together. Uh, uh, the bios for this thing uh, take some time to put together, and you really kind of get to learn about some of the people and the horses in the industry when you're doing I'll tell you one thing about it when I was going through some of these biographies was learning about some of these 14-year-old horses. I mean, some of these horses, Mike, have never been in a stakes race in their life, and they've made close to four hundred grand. It's unbelievable how good some of these horses are. Yeah, it certainly is. And these are the horses that you see each and every week out there at the racetrack. You know, the blue-collar type horses, the horses that bring their lunch box and their lunch pail and get their hands dirty. And, you know, it's good to see uh, some of these horses uh, getting some recognition. And, of course, we'll talk about them a little bit later on. I'll tell you what, Mr. Carter, we're going to take a, a very quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to announce the nominations for two of our seven categories. Which two of the seven are they? We'll keep you in suspense. It's Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Now at Bet America, every track is a bonus track. Earn rewards points for every wager you make on every track. We also offer more points for all exotic wagers. And don't forget about our weekly promos. Check our calendar to see how you can earn double points on featured tracks and races. Sign up for Bet America today. To start earning points and get up to a $400 bonus with our new 200% deposit match. See our website for reward points, state restrictions. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At the stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. Join 
join us for the Kentucky Sire Stakes, a month-long series of preliminary races for two- and three-year-olds, Colts, Phillies, Pacers, and Trotters. Both two- and three-year-olds will be racing for three lanes and a $30,000 split guarantee. Series begins on Thursday, August 16, 2018, and culminates with $250,000 finals on Sunday, September 17, 2018. There's an estimated $4.5 million in overall purse money on the line. On the line. Also new in 2018, $50,000 consolation races, which will be held on Saturday, September 16th, 2018. For more information, visit khrc.ky.gov. That's khrc.ky.gov or call 888-KY-BRIDS. We're back on this edition of Host Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And, uh, Mike, it's that time of year again. It's time for the Post Time with Mike and Mike Award nominations. And uh, I'll tell you what, I could not be more excited uh, this year for, uh, for everything that uh, we've got to offer. We've got seven awards. And, Mike, we're going to kick it off with the Ted Marcus Race Fan of the Year Award. Uh, this Ted Marcus uh, Race Fan of the Year Award nominated, or excuse me, named after Ted Marcus, who was a nominee a couple of years ago and passed away uh, just a few short days before our award nomination show. And Mike, the first person nominated to this award, it's a Canadian. Uh, we've got a couple of Canadians in this uh, category, and it's uh, – Mr. Nathan Bain, who's an up-and-coming harness racing fan, Mike. Uh, he's currently attending Bell River High School in Canada. He's shown a passion for calling races, uh, including calling a couple of races at Grand River Raceway in Pompano Park. Uh, he does selections in a pregame show at Leamington, and at Mike, he announced his first race at Leamington in 2014. All right, congratulations, Nathan. Our next nominee for the Ted Barkas Race Fan of the Year is Garnett Barnsdale, and he is a racing form contributor for the White Circuit in Canada. He's written many publications around North America. Barnsdale is pretty active on social media. As a matter of fact, you can find his picks. If you like money, you'll make, you make your way to find his picks, believe me. He also writes the Buzzworthy column in the Harness Racing Update. He also helps provide analysis during the live broadcast that is done each year by us, most time with Mike and Mike. Barnsdale is also part owner of Five Horses through the stable.ca. Congratulations to Garnett Barnsdale. Mike? Next up is Doug Martin, who's a member of the Facebook group, A Real Harness Handicapping Group, and he shares a passion and love for the sport of harness racing. Uh, he supports the WEG circuit with wagering dollars, but also promotes the sport by helping to share some of the daily racing form selections uh, for the WEG circuit. Mike, uh, the next one up is uh, somebody people may or uh, may not recognize because they've never, ever heard of her first name. That's right, Tammy Jackson, and she's at Hoosier Nations on uh, the Twitterverse. She's a member of the fractional ownership group See You Racing. Jackson consistently posts photos on Twitter and attempts to brighten days with her good morning posts. I've seen many of them. She is constantly sharing <laughs> stories and is at her home track of Hoosier Park on a regular basis. So congratulations on making the cut to Tammy Jackson. Mike? All right, the next one up is Tom Dubrick. He is the first of a couple of three-time 
post time with Mike and Mike Award nominees. He's got an extensive Facebook following. Uh, he brings a positive presence to the industry through his numerous Facebook posts regarding the racing action at Hoosier Park and many other things going on. Uh, he also runs a couple of Facebook pages as well, Mike. Tom Dubrick, the first of a couple three-time post time with Mike and Mike Award nominees. All right, and last but certainly not least is our good buddy Russ Adams. He's a passionate harness racing fan, has been to almost every racetrack on the East Coast. He created the Facebook group, a real harness handicapping group, and he consistently promotes the sport of harness racing on that page. Russ enjoys meeting everyone involved in racing and is known for going up and striking a conversation with anyone who cares to talk about racing. He's also been doing some Facebook Lives lately, Mike. I don't know if you've caught those where he's actually driving to the racetrack and and uh, doing facebook lives and, and talking listen if you, when you're driving put the phone down russ for crying out loud okay but anyway <laughs> congratulations to russ as he has made the cut so our six nominees for the 10 barkus race man of the year a worthy six mike Stackfield, if you ask me nathan bain garnett barnsdale doug martin tammy jackson tom dubrick and russ adams and mike why don't you tell our fine folks when the voting's going to open the voting will open at noon today. Uh, we have the link and everything uh, just about ready to uh, set up. And I, Melissa Keith is uh, actually reaching out to us uh, <laughs> right now on uh, on uh, Twitter. And Melissa, they were uh, Nathan Bain, Garnett Barnsdale, Russ Adams, uh, Tammy Jackson, and Doug Martin and Tom Dubrick were the uh, nominees for the race fan of the year. Yeah, uh, voting opens at noon today, Mike. Uh, we'll have a link via our uh, website and also through uh, SurveyMonkey, who's actually doing all of our voting uh, this year um, uh, for us. And uh, we did have a, a few that were also nominated, Mike. Uh, I'll catch a few if you want to catch the last couple. Uh, Nicholas Ace Barnsdale, Kimberly Mosier, Megan Macario. Uh, enrich the natural mate and we have a couple more as well who in the heck nominated the natural oh my john palvinelli <laughs> albert nash and sydney weaver of course albert nash was the inaugural race fan of the year winner and sydney weaver won it last year so congratulations to all the nominees congratulations uh to the uh also eligibles the also nominated and also congratulations to all the race fans out there because i'll tell you what we certainly wouldn't be sitting here uh, if it wasn't for them. All right, we're going to get into our next uh, category before we bring on Hollywood Hayden. We're going to talk a little bit about the uh, Breeders' Crown Hamiltonian Society poll with Holly in just a few minutes. But first, Mike, a this is an award that's pretty special to us, Mike, obviously. And and uh, Sam, it's the Sam McKee Race Call of the Year presented by the Kentucky Sire Stakes. And, uh, of course, this award named after Sam McKee, who was the 2016 award winner with that thrilling, thrilling call, Mike, of uh, always be Mickey in that time of 146. Yeah, definitely. Uh, this award, uh, you know, touches a lot of hearts, I think. And uh, we were very honored when we reached out to the family of Sam McKee, and they allowed us to uh, put his name on this award. And I, uh, all the nominees, Mike, uh, are certainly, uh, certainly deserving of this award. That's for sure. The Sam McKee Race Call of the Year presented by the Kentucky Sire Stakes. All right. The first nominee is uh, Steve Cross, the announcer at Hoosier Park Racing and Casino. Cross had two nominations in 2017, as it, and his exciting call 
of Indiana native Beckham's Z-Tam. Defeating down by the seaside in the final strides of the Breeders' Crown three-year-old pace was nominated. So congrats to Steve on making the cut, Mike. All right, Barry Vickrow. Back, he's the announcer at Scioto Downs Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway in Miami Valley Gaming. Vicroy is nominated for the second year in a row for his call in the Jim Ewart Memorial. I'm starting to see a pattern here, Mike. Uh, in 2016, his nomination was the historic stretch battle between Wiggle It Jiggle It and Always Be Mickey. In 2017, he got another stretch battle. This year, it was McWicked nailing Rock and Ron on the wire in 149 and three. All right, Barry Vicroy, uh, representing the uh, Ohio State Buckeyes, if you will. Our next, uh, our next nominee, a good man, Jim Baviglia, the announcer at the Downs of Mohegan Sun, Pocono, in Pennsylvania. Baviglia has called many races, including British Crown events at Pocono, alongside the late great Sam McKee. Baviglia's call of the 2017 Ben Franklin featured an epic stretch goal between Keystone Velocity and Melmara. The race was won by Keystone Velocity, who battled strongly up the passing lane to get the job done. And of course, Mike, not only was the call memorable, but uh, I think the trip to the winner's circle by Keystone Velocity was memorable too because Simon Allard standing up on the bike, taking off the shirt, had the Superman shirt on, and was paying homage to the late, great Herbe Fillion. So just a magical moment. Jim Bavigli was a part of it. Jimmy's made the cut. All right, a good friend of both of ours, Mike Ayers Ratliff, who's the announcer at Northfield Park in Northfield, Ohio. This is the third year in a row Ayers has been nominated for this award. Ratliff has called many stakes races this season, but one of the most exciting races that he got to call in 2017 was the Carl Milstein Memorial in August, and a race bike that definitely lived up to the hype. A much-anticipated duel between Fear the Dragon and Down by the Seaside, and Down by the Seaside was the eventual of the Carl Milstein Memorial. All right, the next one's another good friend of ours, Mike. Pete Medhurst, the longtime announcer of Rosecroft Raceway, the regular Navy football announcer as well. You can hear his voice on the radio calling Navy football. Medhurst announced the second annual Potomac Pace at Rosecroft, which, of course, was won by Keystone Velocity. But Keystone Velocity's had a lot of wins this year, Mike, in what was one of the more memorable races for aged open paces. So congrats to the voice of Navy football and the voice of Rosecroft Raceway, our guy. Pete Methurst. Mike? All right. And the last but certainly not least, of course, we got some also eligibles here, but Joe Zambito is the longtime announcer and race secretary at Batavia Downs Gaming in western New York. Joe has gotten to call some very good horses during his tenure, including the $7 million man foiled again, who has won the Kane Invitational, the signature race at Batavia Downs, three times. Joe's race call of the Kane in 2016 was nominated for a post time with Mike and Mike Award. And this year, his call of foiled again in an invitational held there on October 7th was nominated that night foiled again defeated fire your guns who is a top open pacer in New York and Mike fire your guns is a mark of 147 and three so defeating him was uh, no small task that's for sure Certainly not. So congratulations to uh, Joe Zambito. And uh, Mike, of course, we had some also eligibles as well. I know Scott Warren's uh, uh, call of, uh, help me, was it the Zweig? The Zweig, yes. Yeah, yeah. And that was a great call, Scott, uh, uh, getting nominated for that. Uh, Mike, do you have the other nominees in front of you? Yes, I do. Um, we had Darren Gagne's call of Fire Drake's track record, and we also had Steve Cross's call of Hanalore Hanover winning the Breeders' Crown. 
All right, so congratulations to the nominees for the uh, race call of the year, the Sam McKee race call of the year presented by uh, the Kentucky Sires. Thanks, and uh, congrats to everybody that got nominated. Some very, very great race calls throughout the 2017 season. We're going to take a little bit of a break right now from announcing some of the nominees, and we're going to uh, bring Hollywood Hayden here in just a few minutes. We're going to talk about the uh, final 2017 Breeders' Crown Hamiltonian uh, poll. Plus, we're going to talk uh, about how uh, we're going to kind of pick Hollywood's brain about some of the great performances that he saw throughout two, 2017, some of the performances that stuck out in his head. Plus, we're going to uh, have our inside handicapping segment a little bit later on. Our man from the Daily Racing Forum, Derek Gibner, will be joining us. Plus, more awards nominations all coming up on the backside of this timeout. You've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. Retrain, rehab, rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org. 12 championship races. The captain, not to be denied. One spectacular night. And Father Patrick got a coast home a champion here. Crown 2018 coming to the Downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono. Searching up the rail, modern legend there, foiled again, dead game, clear vision laid on the outside, Pet Rock on the inside, photo finish, foiled again, and Pet Rock together, run 49 and 2. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment tonight as they race on Thursday with a first post of 7.15. You can catch Money Machine Fever this Friday and Saturday at the Meadowlands. The event takes place after race six where eight lucky contestants will be selected to participate. Each contestant will have 30 seconds to catch as much cash as they can and place it into the bag. Catch Money Machine Fever this Friday and Saturday. For more information, visit PlayMeadowlands.com. We are back on post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich along with Mike Carter. Don't forget more awards nominations to be announced coming out throughout the course of this show. Plus we're going to talk to Derek Givner in a little bit. Uh, Derek Givner 
We'll be talking about the handicapping a little bit as our Inside Handicapping series continues as we feature guest handicappers throughout the country. But first, it's our good friend Hollywood Hayden joining us on the program. Hollywood, welcome to the show, my friend. Always good to have you. Happy to be here, guys. Happy to be here. All right. Well, our final 2017 uh, Hamiltonian Society Breeders' Crown poll was just released, and uh, it was a tight vote as far as first-place votes go. 14 to Handelore Hanover, 13 to Ariana G., 4 to Manchego, 3 for Down by the Seaside, 1 for Fear the Dragon. And, of course, those are your top five. First of all, any surprises there to you? Uh, no, not at all. Um, you know, a lot of times when things are really tight, it's a what have you done for me lately? And I think people are going to be a little surprised at how important it was that Hanalore Hanover did race and that the two trotting fillies of Jimmy Tactor, we didn't see them the last uh, month or so. So, you know, when things are really close and uh, you're looking for, you know, a slight advantage here or there, uh, that's a, that's an image you can't get out of your mind, Hanalore Hanover competing out there. So it might be the difference. Um, there's going to be a lot of things that are going to come into play, but... Uh, certainly the biggest issue is going to be uh, racing against the boys. Hanover, Hanover racing and beating the boys and the Maple Leaf Trot and the Breeders' Crown uh, is really, really weighs heavily in her favor. And I think uh, that's why I think she made the move, uh, even though Ariana G didn't race. That's why Hanover, I think, made the move from second to first. Now, Hollywood, when you're when we're looking at horse of the year and kind of the end of year honors, how do you kind of rate those horses that maybe haven't raced towards the end of the season? Is it kind of tough where you kind of have to wonder, you know, well, what would have happened if they raced in the Breeders' Crown or the TVG, or do you have to kind of close that kind of mindset off? I, I think what happens is people do forget it is horse of the year, not the hot horse of the last three months. Perfect example is 2004. When Winsong's legacy was 9 for 12 on the year, but the three losses he had were all in eliminations for finals of which he won. So in a sense, he went undefeated, really. Now, he passed after winning the Triple Crown in Kentucky Futurity. They decided not to race him anymore and not race in the Breeders' Crown. And that eventually wound up costing him Horse of the Year because Rainbow Blue continued on she did race in the Breeders' Crown and won, and then she raced in the Meadowlands and raced older females and beat them, and the ballot turned out to be 119 to 98. So, yeah, here's a horse who won a Triple Crown and three other finals and didn't win Horse of the Year, and it was probably his handling, management, that cost him Horse of the Year more than anything else. He also had two great horses in the same year, so once in a while that happens too. But uh, in a situation like this, you know, Jimmy Tactor is Ariana G. and Manchego, and Chigo runs the table. Ariana pretty much wins everything, but the only two races she didn't win, a couple races she didn't win were against the boys, male competition. So she was fantastic. They both were. Um, but I think people have a tendency to give late in the season oh, you know, more, a little more weight than early in the season, which is going to hurt Fear of the Dragon because he's really not going to be in contention for Horse of the Year because that division was so contentious too. And he did most of his damage early. And it's actually amazing, absolutely amazing, that he raced in the North America Cup and also in the progress. Because you're talking right. basically the first major stake of the year and the last one. Now, Total Truth is the last horse to win the North America Cup and the progress, and he was named Pacer of the Year. That was in 2006. So, I mean, you've got to give a horse an awful lot of credit for that. But unfortunately, 
his own stablemate had a better year uh, down by the seaside. So that's going to be a little bit of a split vote there, too. So there's a lot of factors involved here. If the same trainer has two, which one do you vote for? Uh, it happens with uh, Brian Brown and with Tactor. Um, but throughout all of this, remember, Ron Burke has never had horse of the year. So Hanover, Hanover you know, might be the one that kind of you know, slips through the cracks. He's had many contenders, but he's never won the award. And Jimmy Tactor has won it four times. So we'll see how it plays out. But it's a very interesting year to be balloting, for the balloting here in the uh, horse of the year voting. Well, that's a, certainly an interesting stat about Ron Burke. All the nice horses, the, the great stability he's had for so many years, and his uh, kind of been a, the elusive Horse of the Year award has just kind of gotten out of his grasp uh, each and every year. Maybe this year will be a little bit different. But, uh, Holly, let's talk about uh, the girls. And this has obviously been a year of the girls, and I think it, it uh, you know kind of says that in the voting with Hanalore, Hanover, Ariana G, Manchego, Emoticon, Hanover up there as well. You are my candy girl making some waves late as a two-year-old Philly Pacer. Have you, do you remember a year where the girls have seemed to be so dominant, especially in the polls? Uh, no. As a matter of fact, um, you got to go back to 2001 for the last time the girls finished one, two, uh, with Bunny Lake and Cyrings Hanover and Horse of the Year battling. And this year, uh, you got to go back to 2007, the last time Trotters finished 1-2-3 when you had Donato Hanover, Dewey Cheatham, and Howe, and Snow White. Uh, this year is really a great year. We almost had something happen that you can probably go 100 years without happening again. If you remember Plunge Blue Chip, the two-year-old trotting filly at Yonkers on International Day, she, made, she just wasn't herself, and she finished off the board. Other than that, she swept swept every other race. Manchego won every race. So they had 22 combined races in the same division. We almost had two undefeated two-year-old trotting fillies. One was 10 for 11, one was 9 for 10, one was 12 for 12. So you have something you'll never see, undefeated two in the same division because the obvious nature of horses having to face each other. So we just missed seeing that happen. Now, in terms of uh, You Are My Candy Girl, uh, 150, uh, world record there, dominated at the end of the year, a no-brainer for, for her division. But in terms of, like, horse of the year balloting, uh, usually a two-year-old filly has to rely on a lot of other things happening. Um, they have to rely a lot of times on other horses beating themselves. It happened back with Bunny Lake one horse of the year, 2001, because you had Better's Delight and Real Desire beating themselves. They were so good. They were such great colts that they each handed each other a handful of defeats and allowed Bunny Lake to win her last 19 and be named Horse of the Year. So that's kind of what happened there. Uh, the most interesting division might be Pure Country's division, the older pacing mares, because Pure Country's only 5 for 16 and less than a half a million dollars. But if you look at the races she won, the Breeders' Crown, the TVG, Artscape. She, she really packaged them in pretty good at the end of the year. It was a totally wide-open division, and very, very quietly, pure country and tactor and Mark McDonald driving, it looks like she might have done enough to win her division. And if she does win the division, get a lot of this, no one's ever won the two-, three-, and four-year-old division titles as a female pacer. It's never happened. Eternal Cam Nations never didn't do it. Nobody did it. And some of the great fillies, like Miss Easy, didn't race at four. She wanted a two and three, but didn't race past that. So Pure Country, who wanted a two and three, 
looks like she may be the first to do it at two, three, and four. So we'll see if she can make a little bit of history. Um, and, t- and again, in terms of the, the, the Phillies, Ariana G this year, another one, fifth straight uh, Hamiltonian Oaks winner for uh, Jimmy Tactor. She's a she's a no brainer in her division for the three year old Trotton Phillies. And we'll see. Um, we'll see if she's uh, if she's done enough. She's right there in, in the year end balloting. I did a stat the other day. Um, I can't remember the exact numbers, but 20th century females who were named Horse of the Year, as opposed to the 21st century females named Horse of the Year, the percentages, winning percentage, it's over 95% in the 21st century. Because if you look at the last two, they both went undefeated. J.K. She's a Lady in 2014 and Be a Magician in 2013. They were actually 56 for 59. But if you look at the 20th century females, it's about 65%. Because remember, Moneymaker would go 14 for 21, uh, 13 for 20, races, uh, stats like that, and it was good enough for Horse of the Year because she's racing against the boys, et cetera. When you're racing against the boys like Moneymaker did, like Hanover, Hanover did, you're going to have some losses. You know, you're not going to be able to beat them all the time. But the fact that you're doing it and holding your own this year, like with Hanelor, might be might be the key to the whole thing. And keep in mind, Moneymaker is the last female to win the horse of the year back to back. She did it in ninety eight, ninety nine. She was five and six. Hanelor Hanover is five. So she's following a very similar path and through fifty eight career races. Moneymaker was thirty six for fifty eight. Hanelor is thirty five for fifty eight. So you can see how close those two are. So she actually is is right in the conversation with a great moneymaker. And if you're talking moneymaker in the same sentence with your horse, you have a great horse. I think Hanelor Hanover fits the bill there. Sitting down with Bob Hollywood Hayden. Bob, uh, one last question for me. Uh, What the Hill has kind of had an interesting season uh, through 2017, obviously with all the controversy in the Hambletonian uh, where he won and then was placed – and then he come on. Uh, he's really come back on as of late. He won his Breeders' Crown um, race, and then he raced against older uh, horses and won the TVG. But he didn't really move up that much uh, throughout the top ten poll. Where does he kind of sit, and what do you think the voters are uh, kind of thinking with What the Hill? Well, I think What the Hills TVG was great, but I, I think that was not really a super moment as some people might think because you beat all the horses but there was a six horse field and two of the other five opponents were entry mates so it wasn't quite uh you know uh, stupendous but it was very very nice remember you know beating all the horses is still nice even this time of year the key to what the hill though is that he won 948,000 he still led the division in earnings even though he was taken down 500,000 worth in the Hamiltonian now, if you can look at the handball for a second and say for just for one second that he wasn't taken down, his earnings for the year would have been higher than Classic Photo in 2005, Mr. Muscleman in 2003, and a whole uh, pine chip in 1993. He is actually in that conversation if there wasn't a takedown. So he already did enough to win the division as far as I can see. And now, because that, that deal is in the courts, there's three different uh, lawsuits going on in that one race, and it could be quite a while before it's ever resolved. But what the hell, regardless of that outcome, is the three-year-old trotter of the year. I think you have to he kind of sealed it there in the TVG. 
uh, and he does have the earnings, and uh, he pretty much you know did enough to you know, to win that title. It was, a, it was it was a really top year for him. He kind of came on strong. And, um, and by the way, if Ariana G or Manchigo, if either one or Muscle or what the hell, all Muscle Hills, if any of those three is named Horse of the Year, we've never had this before. Believe it or not, there's never been a Horse of the Year trotter sired by a Horse of the Year. So all the times we've had a trotter win, we've had 26 trotters named Horse of the Year, 31 different uh, times, because Neverly Pride won three, and Moneymaker two, and Mackerel Bell two, et cetera. We've never had a Horse of the Year sire a trotting Horse of the Year. It's, it's the oddest thing in the world. You'd automatically assume it's happened. Sure, it's happened. Of course it happened. But when I look through the whole list, it hasn't happened. The Muscle Hill, the 2009 Horse of the Year, has a shot if either Ariana G or Manchigo win, have his first, to be the first ever Horse of the Year to sire one. So that's another stat. But we'll, we'll have to wait and see. What the hell did enough? Certainly this year. It would be pretty interesting to see a horse win his division after being taken down in the single biggest race. But um, Hambletonian days actually wreaked havoc through the years on horses of the year because a lot of horses have had strange goings-ons on Hambletonian day. Uh, CRK Susie made a break. 1995 in Hamiltonian Day at 10 cents to the dollar. Rainbow Blue had one loss as a three-year-old in 2004. It came on Hambo Day in the Mistletoe Chalet. Uh, Rock and Roll Hanover, the 2005 horse of the year, American Ideal sat on his back and set a track record going right by him in the stretch on Hamiltonian Day. Um, Mr. Muscle Man, all kinds of things can happen on that one day. We had the most eyes. So outside of the end of the year, where everybody's watching, Hambletonian Day is the second most important day for for any horse of the year candidate because everybody has seen it, good, bad, or indifferent. So what the hell, um, he doesn't get hurt by the DQ. It's not his fault, you know what I mean? It just worked out that way. So he, he doesn't get hurt, and he did enough anyway. He'll be the three-year-old trot in Cult of the Year. Hollywood Hayden, you can catch him on the live broadcast at the Meadowlands on their live race nights. Plus, you can catch his articles each and every week at Harness Racing Update. Love reading those articles, Holly. Listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. A lot of great info. Okay, thanks a lot, guys. Talk to you soon. All right, that was Bob Hollywood Hayden. And holy moly, Mike, my brain hurts. Listen, I tell you what, what a wealth of information, an encyclopedia, wow. as you call it. What a wealth of information. And, you know, we could have him on a million times as a guest, and I could never get tired of hearing some of his stories uh, to talk about, you know, the great moneymaker or, you know, what the hill and what he has done this year. It's really impressive. You don't really realize what some of these horses have done until you start comparing him to horses like Moneymaker and Mr. Muscle Man. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it certainly is some crazy, crazy stats. All right, when we come back, we're going to continue our awards, nominations, announcements, plus Derek Gibner's in the on-deck circle as well. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Have you played Harness Racing's hottest new game? Often Pacing allows you to build and manage a stable of horses. Race at real-life racetracks and list real drivers. Buy, sell, and claim horses. Start a breeding operation and breed a champion. And compete against your friends and the entire Often Pacing community. Often Pacing is available at the Google Play Store and on the App Store. For more information, follow them on Twitter or on Facebook at Off and Pacing. 
Now at Bet America, every track is a bonus track. Earn rewards points for every wager you make on every track. We also offer more points for all exotic wagers. And don't forget about our weekly promos. Check our calendar to see how you can earn double points on featured tracks and races. Sign up for Bet America today to start earning points and get up to a $400 bonus with our new 200% deposit match. See our website for reward points, state restrictions. Join us for the Kentucky Sire Stakes, a month-long series of preliminary races for two- and three-year-olds, Colts, Phillies, Pacers, and Trotters. Both two- and three-year-olds will be racing for three lanes of a $30,000 split guarantee. Series begins on Thursday, August 16, 2018, and culminates with $250,000 finals on Sunday, September 17, 2018. There's an estimated $4.5 million in overall purse money on the Line. Also new in 2018, $50,000 consolation races, which will be held on Saturday, September 16th, 2018. For more information, visit khrc.ky.gov. That's khrc.ky.gov or call 888-KY-BRIDS. We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And what a fantastic show we've had so far. Uh, we've announced two of our award nominations. And uh, Mike, Bob Hollywood Hayden had a fantastic uh, little spiel for us there, uh, Mike. It was, uh, it was some good information, but we're ready to jump back into the awards. Here on Post Time with Mike and Mike. And Mike, we're going to go with Horsewoman of the Year. Uh, this award has historically been uh, one of the more popular awards, uh, honoring some of the great women in the sport of harness racing. And the first one is uh, one of the saving graces at the racetrack is a good outrider, and it's Missy Rothfuss, who is currently the well-experienced outrider at the Meadows Racetrack and Casino. She's actually picked up a uh, a couple of uh, other duties there as well, Mike. Uh, she's been known to make some amazing catches and hopes to keep all of the horsemen safe. Rothfuss also gives back to the sport of harness racing by helping support racehorse aftercare and ensuring that racehorses are saved from slaughter. All right, congrats to Mithy Rolfus for making the cut. And uh, I don't think the next one is any surprise, Mr. Carter. Jamie McCumber, winning her first Breeders' Crown in 2017 at Hoosier Park Racing and Casino with Beckham Zetam. It was one of the most emotional victories of her very young career. And I, I, I can get that. McCumber, who was based out of Indiana during the spring and summer while spending her winters at Pompano Park in Florida, is the wife of driver Ricky McCumber Jr. She currently has 200 and five career victories with a little over $2.1 million in earnings. So congratulations to Jamie McCumber. Mike? Jackie Ingracia 
became the first woman driver to win a Triple Crown race when she guided Goldfish to victory in the 2000 Yonkers Trot. She topped the 1000 of Victory Plateau in 2013, and she's also a Jersey Shore Sports Hall of Fame inductee in 1999, who has made over $6.2 million in her career that spans just over 40 years. This year, she has 18 driving wins and 118 starts, driving mainly for her husband, Frank Ingracia. A majority of her wins have come in the Pennsylvania Stakes, excuse me, in Pennsylvania Stakes competition and upper condition trot races at Harris, Philadelphia, and the Downs at Mohegan Sun Pocado. Congratulations, Jackie. Yeah, Jackie's uh, really, really awesome. Emily Gaskin, as we get our first opportunity for a repeat. Mike, Emily Gaskin entered the 2017 post time with Mike and Mike Awards on the heels of winning the award in 2016. She's been nominated three times now for Horsewoman of the Year. She's the media analyst and representative at Hoosier Park. She owns her share of horses, too, and helps to actively promote the sport of harness racing on Twitter and Facebook. She has worked very hard to help promote the Hoosier Park brand and is an integral part in helping Hoosier Park pull off the 2017 Breeders Crown. Gaskin helps interns that work at the track to learn how to be industry professionals and ensure success in their futures. Mike, you saw that firsthand. Uh, they give a lot of interns a lot of great opportunities there to kind of get their feet wet in the sport. Congratulations to Emily as she goes for the repeat, Mike. Listen, I've seen those interns work their socks off. Uh, they do a fantastic job out at Hoosier Park. Well, listen, this is probably one of my uh, one of my favorite uh, nominees. Uh, somebody who, if we had a most improved award, Mike, I think it would go to this person, uh, Jennifer. I mean, Jess Scott, and who's a Michigan native, and currently enrolled at Mott Community College, majoring in business management. She helped make her presence felt in the sport of harness racing by providing behind-the-scenes analysis, excuse me, behind-the-scenes access to the happenings at Northfield Downs. Otten is a pivotal part of the post-time with Mike and Mike live broadcast team, and I think you can agree with me there, Mike, and has grown as a broadcaster since joining the team. No question about it, but she's awesome. And one final candidate, one final nomination for the 2017 Post Time with Mike and Mike Horsewoman of the Year, Amy Holler. She's the face of the Ohio Harness Horsemen's Association in Northfield Park in Ohio. She runs a stable with her husband, Calvin, and his Brian Brown sister-in-law. Holler's been the representative at Northfield for 17 years. Wow. And uh, she also does a big, big uh, part in promoting the sport of harness racing uh, via social media. So those are the six candidates for the 2017 Post Time with Mike and Mike Horsewoman of the Year, as nominated by you, the fans, Missy Rothfuss, Jamie McCumber, Jackie Ingracia, Emily Gaskin, Jessica Otten, and Amy Holler. Mike, we also had some uh, fantastic other nominees as well. Yes, we did. Uh, we had a uh, slew of nominations for just about every category in this one. We also had Vicki Wright, Megan McCario. Ann McNeil, and Emily Hay, Mike, all uh, worthy of this award. No question about it. So uh, congratulations to uh, everybody's name that got mentioned there. And uh, it's going to be a very interesting vote. It's a stacked field. Once again, it's the 2017 Post Time with Mike and Mike Horsewoman of the Year. Before we get to Darren Gibner, let's uh, read the nominations for the Larry Reinheimer Small Stable of the Year. Mike, hold on one second. Good. Yeah, Good I was going to say, give me, give me one extra second. Yeah, I was going to say, give me one extra second of stalling. Uh, the social media oh. aspect of this takes up a little bit of time. 
Holy moly. But anyway, it's the Larry Reinheimer Small Stable of the Year presented by our good folks at Hoosier Park. And, Mike, I just want to take a second to talk a little bit uh, about Hoosier Park and uh, what a great show they put on for the 2017 Breeders' Crown. Mike, obviously you had a chance to witness it firsthand. I was back in the post-time with Mike and Mike Studios, but they just did a world of a job. And I'll tell you what, they have got a really, really good product down there and a really good thing going on in the state of Indiana. Yes, they do. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, Hoosier Park and those guys, they work extremely hard. You don't really realize how much work goes into putting on one of these things until you watch these guys run around. And they make it look so easy. None of them are stressed, or at least they don't act stressed. And, uh, you know, they they do just such a fantastic job with it. And, uh, Mike, uh, it's uh, it's definitely an experience, that's for sure. Yeah, and it's a beautiful facility if you're in the area, down by Anderson, Indiana, my old neck of the woods. Make sure you visit them. They're open uh, for full-card simulcasting uh, pretty much every day, so make sure you check it out. Also, you can visit them online, uh, Hoosier Park uh, Racing and Casino. But now it's time to announce the nominees for the 2017 Larry Reinheimer Small Stable of the Year presented by Hoosier Park. Our first nominee is... uh, one based out of Hoosier Park, Mike Trainer Bill Crone. Uh, he's based right there out of Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson. Through his career, he has 273 victories and just under 2,500 starts with $2.5 million in purses and a UDRS of 206. But his biggest season so far easily has been right here in 2017, where he trained two-year-old trotting superstar $50 Bill to a Breeders' Ground victory against some of the sports' top two-year-old trotters. $50 Bill had raced on the Indiana Sire Stakes circuit and had been racing extremely well. They an unfortunate break in the super final just before the Breeders' Crown eliminations, where obviously he rebounded, uh, rebounded to make the final. Chrome began his training year at the picture that I put up on Facebook. Yesterday, Mike, the uh, old Balmoral Park in Illinois. Of course, it's now an equestrian facility, but uh, congratulations to Bill Crone. What a great 2017 he has as he is looking for his uh, first ever Larry Reinheimer Small Stable of the uh, Year Award, Mike. Andy Rickert is uh, someone who uh, was nominated as well. He's based out of Fredonia, Pennsylvania, and races on the Ohio circuit and at the Meadows Racetrack and Casino. Rickert has a powerful stable and has consistently made $500,000 each season from 2010 to the present. 2017 has so far been his best season earnings-wise, with earnings of just under $800,000. One of his top trotters, Keystone Chester Mike, has made a stamp against open ranks over the past year, being in the money a majority of the time. To date, Rickard has 802 victories, 801 seconds, 753 thirds, and just under 6,000 starts with earnings of close to $5 million and a UDRS of .257. All right, our next nominee, and no surprise here. I see these guys race a lot here at Harris, Philadelphia. They have a lot of success at a small stable. Jeff and Helen Gregory, they race a majority of their horses on the New York circuit, but like I say, they race some of their overnights right here at Harris, Philadelphia. He's most known for his training duties of Barndahl, who he currently owns in partnership with the Jens Merrill Stables. Barndahl was second in the Kentucky Phillies Authority in 2016. It was fourth in the TBG Mare Final this year at the Meadowlands. Helen also promotes the sport of harness racing 
by working with the Racing Under Saddle Series in New York. She also participates in those events at other racetracks as well. In just three years training, full-time after many injuries, Jeff has won major stakes races in different states. Jeff and Helen Gregory are two-time nominees of the Larry Reinheimer Small Stable of the Year Award, and uh, they're looking for their first one here, Mike. So congratulations to certainly two worthy people, Jeff and Helen Gregory. This was one that I was really happy to see, uh, Mike. It's a maritime uh, trainer in Jackie Matheson, who's a conditioner that races at Charlottetown Driving Park in Prince Edward Island, Canada. To date, Matheson currently has 443 victories with 403 seconds and 363 thirds with purse earnings of just under $1 million Canadian. Matheson's stable was led by 2017 successes like the return of maritime free-for-all star DG's Cami, who was in the Gold Cup in Saucer uh, not too long ago. Plus a win from a stakes pacer, Ashes to Ashes, and top-tier distaff competitor, Shadows Mystery. All right, our next candidate for Horsewoman of the Year, Mike, and uh, certainly no surprise, or excuse me, small stable of the year, certainly no <laughs> surprise here, Jamie McCumber. She's looking to take home all the gold, if you will, Mike, in our awards this year, but Jamie McCumber won her first Breeders' Crown in 2017 at Hoosier Park Racing and Casino with Beckham Z-Tam. It was one of the most emotional victories of her very young career, as we just uh, said just a couple of seconds ago. Uh, she spends her winters at Pompano Park in Florida. She's the wife of Ricky McCumber, and she currently has 205 career victories a little over $2.1 million in earnings. So Jamie McCumber nominated not for one, but two awards, Mike, and uh, we'll see if she can get it done. All right, and last but certainly not least is Ohio trainer Don McCurgan. Uh, he was based out of Northfield Park. McCurgan has been both a driver and trainer, Mike, since 1977. Uh, he trained with fair superstar Sweet Honey in 2017, who finished second at the Ohio Fair Championships at Northfield Park. One of his highlight horses is champion Like Old Times, who has been a staple on the Ohio circuit for the past couple of years. She is a multiple world record setter and currently holds the world record for an aged mare on a half-mile track tied with Barn Girl, who tied the record just a few short weeks ago. At age 77, McCurgan still shows every day that he can train with some of the big names and still be competitive in the Ohio Sire Stakes program. All right, so congratulations to all of our small stable and nominees, trainer Bill Crone, Andy Ricker, Jeff and Helen Gregory, Jackie Matheson, Jamie McCumber, and Don McCurgan. Once again, congratulations to all of the nominees. We still have three award nominations to announce, Mike. We're going to do so after our Derek Gibner interview. But uh, congratulations once again to the nominees of the 2017 Larry Reinheimer Small Stable of the Year Award, sponsored by Hoosier Park. Once again, if you're in the Anderson area, visit Hoosier Park. It's a beautiful, beautiful facility. You can also visit them online. Also, they're open uh, pretty much uh, every day for a full-card simulcasting, even in the off-season. So if you're in the area, make sure you stop by the, the beautiful, friendly confines, as I like to call it, of Hoosier Park. Derek Gibner is in the on-deck circle. Now we're going to go inside the handicapping brain of Derek Gibner as our inside handicapping series continues next. On Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market 
and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. New Vocations Resource Adoption Program. Retrain, rehab, rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org. Join Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment tonight as they race on Thursday with a first post of 7.15. You can catch Money Machine Fever this Friday and Saturday at the Meadowlands. The event takes place after race six where eight lucky contestants will be selected to participate. Each contestant will have 30 seconds to catch as much cash as they can and place it into the bag. Catch Money Machine Fever this Friday and Saturday. For more information, visit PlayMeadowlands.com. We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. It is our 2017 awards nomination show. We uh, still have three awards left to announce the nominees. We're going to do so in just a few minutes. But first, it's our Inside Handicapping Series. And today, it features our good friend from the Daily Racing Forum, Derek Givner. Derek, welcome to the program, my friend. It's always a party when you're up. Yeah, that's some lively uh, playing music you got for me there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we gotta we gotta kickstart this thing, my friend. We gotta always give you a good lead in because uh, we're going to invade your handicapping brain, and and we know that uh, for all the big races, uh, you guys, uh, you and Matt Rose do a fantastic job. You guys put a video up on social media, handicapping the races. Always very insightful. Always do a tremendous job with that. I've known. I've uh, believe me, I've gotten some winners from you guys, uh, and some good winners from you guys uh, over the past year or so doing that, but. Let's take uh, it back to square one. When you open a race, uh, when you open your program, you set your eyes on that first race of the day that you're handicapping. What's the very first thing that you look for when you look at a race? The absolute first thing I look at is the conditions of the race. I, I think uh, people you know, breeze by that a little too quickly. Nowadays, uh, so many tracks are trying to find horses, trying to get them into races, and you get all these additional AE conditions. It's not quite the same as it was 20 years ago where it seemed like the races were not one is a 5,000 or 12-5 claimer. And now it's like, you know, there's all these little sub-conditions in there where they increase the earnings by if you haven't won a race and they give you a lifetime's earnings cap and this cap. So one of the first things I do is look at the conditions and I circle the horses as to how they got into the race. You know, did this guy get in on the lifetime earnings cap? Did he get in the last five cap? Is he in for the claiming tag? Why is each horse in this race? 
Do you find that optional claimers, and if we talk about optional claiming races, and there are a lot of them nowadays, uh, is, you know, race secretaries a lot of times scramble to fill races. Do you find that uh, in the races that there are optional claimers, that the claimers do better than the condition horses, or the condition horses do better than the claimers, or does it just simply depend on the situation? It really does depend on the situation. A lot of times the optional claimers are horses that are sharper than the, you know, the non-winners horses, but you do get the odd drop down horse that'll, you know, squeeze in under the cap of a non-winners or condition that'll come in and, you know, and just dominate. But I would say if you you put a gun to my head, I'd say the optional claimers probably do slightly better because they tend to be a little bit sharper and they're just being, you know, stuffed in for the same tag so they can compete against the same quality of horse. Visiting with Derek Gibner from the DRF, it's our Inside Handicapping Series. Derek, tell us uh, about some of your favorite angles. Like, for example, if you really don't have a whole lot of time to look at the program, maybe an angle or two that you kind of shoot for when trying to find a, especially a good price horse. Oh, without having a lot of time to look, I think that you're setting yourself up for failure, honestly. Yeah. Um, my favorite thing to do is to watch, you know, replays, you know, you, you, there's so much to be learned by watching a replay that you can't get. I mean, I actually, you know, gave out a, a horse last week at the Meadowlands that was coming in from Saratoga that if you looked at the PP line, the PP line didn't match anything of what the horse, you know, actually did in the race. You know, it was completely deceptive. And a friend of mine sent me his pick five ticket and said, Hey, this is what I'm going to play. And I said, well, you, you might want to think about throwing this horse in. And, you know, he listened to me, threw the horse in, and the horse won, and that's how we hit the pick five. Now, did you, now, did you get a little percentage of that, or was it was that all just for freebies? I, I got a shout-out on Twitter. I guess that's what oh, I well, You know what? <laughs> there you go. You know what? That, to me, honestly, as, as a public handicapper, listen, I like to win, and I like to win money. But more than anything else, I like to see other people winning from my selections because it means I'm doing a decent job. A lot of public handicappers, I think, are kind of behind the eight ball in a couple of different instances. Number one, I think a lot of public handicappers, especially if you work for a racetrack, are kind of forced to pick every race. And obviously, if you know if you're going to try to make money at the races, you know it's like the old saying: you can beat a race, but you can't beat the races. I think that's true. And a lot of times, public handicappers have to handicap a couple of days ahead of time, even before you know the 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 driver. Uh, changes are, are actually made. So I, I think public handicap, especially the ones maybe that put the comments in the program itself, I, I think that, you know, you have to kind of cut them a little slack, not making excuses for them, but you got certainly got to cut them a little slack and kind of use them as a guide more so than exactly what to play. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And when I try to write my analysis up, I try to write it in a way where you can kind of pick out, you know, wow, he really likes this horse or, He's not really sure in this race or, you know, it, it really is kind of more of a guide than anything else. And we are kind of handicapped, you know, going back. I mean, I do my analysis. A lot of times I'll do my first look at a race three days before the races start. I look at a proof, no driver changes, no nothing. That, that's the way I like the handicap. I don't want any outside information affecting the way I'm going to, you know, look at that race. Then I'll look at the race again the following day with the driver changes to see, you know, maybe what a driver chose or what he didn't choose. Um, I'm not a big driver change guy. I mean, I will play a horse on a driver change. I think there's a horse at the Meadowlands, I think maybe on Friday night, um, that's getting a driver change from, like, the trainer, Chindano Sr., to one of the catch drivers. 
And that horse kind of intrigued me. But for the most part, I don't really love the driver change angle because I think people put too much weight on that. There are a lot of reasons why a driver picks a horse, you know, just because he's a, a stable driver or he likes that owner or, you know, he drove that horse last time. There's so many reasons, and it doesn't always mean that that's the best horse in the race. You know, and that's funny because that was actually going to be my next question. We talked about stuff to look for, angles to look for, you know, talking about overrated angles. And I think you bring up a good point about the drivers. Is there any other overrated angles you think, Derek, that you find that uh, the traditional gambler tends to, you know, maybe pay more attention to than what they should? The biggest problem I think people make is they don't look back far enough in the lines. And listen, I don't think a horse, you know, you can't necessarily go back 10 starts and say, well, 10 starts ago he was good, so he could be good again. But people tend to look at the last line or the last two lines and say, oh, there are, he didn't do well in the last two starts. Let's throw him out. There are so many so many of the bigger scores I hit are remembering that this horse likes the Meadowlands and now he's back here. Or this horse likes a big track and now he's, he's back on the big track this time. I think you, ha- you have to remember the past, uh, maybe get a pathway account and look back at the, what the horse did. Because sometimes what happened six months ago, you know, while it's not his current form, will be relevant now. Derek, let's talk a little bit about pick four and pick five strategies. Obviously, the multi-race wagers are very, very popular, not only in harness racing, but obviously in thoroughbred racing as well. When you get down and dirty with a pick four or pick five or even a pick three for that matter, what are some of your strategies in constructing a ticket? I really like the uh, pick four, pick five wagers. I tend to play them probably more than anything else. Um, I like to look at every race in the sequence and write down all the horses I like in every single race. And typically I'll end up with a ticket that's like a thousand dollars or something like that. But I think it's a good way to start with everyone you think that has a chance. And then you have to go back and then I go back and I kind of say, well, this one probably is the least amount of And I try to narrow it down. And when I'm done with that, if I can't get it down without a carryover, if there's no carryover involved, if I can't get it down under $100, I'm not even considering making a play. And it also depends on the track, because at the Meadowlands, I can make a $90 play, let's say, on a pick four, pick five. I'm not going to make that same play at Buffalo Raceway, per se, because the pools just don't support it. But I like to give a first look, then I give a second look, I'll cross off some horses, you know, maybe outside contenders, and then I'll look and see what I have there as far as my ticket cost and see, well, is this a play that I really like? You know, most of the times if, if there is not a race where I'm going to single a horse somewhere in the sequence, then it's probably not a play that it, it's worthwhile to make because you're going to be going too deep and it's going to be too costly for most betters. Derek, one final question before we let you go. The uh, last couple of weeks at the Meadowlands has produced a new wager, the Survivor Wager. I've heard mixed reactions about it. I've heard people that absolutely love it, people that won't give it the time of day. What say you? I'm not opposed to the wager. How about that? I think the the wager, you know, has some benefits. I think it has some, you know, long-term potential. Um, But it's the kind of wager where the everyday player cannot all the time. I mean, even a me, you know, I might play that wager if you ask me probably once every six weeks. I got to find that right sequence where I like enough horses in those first, you know, 10 races, though on Thursday it's only nine races, so I guess that's a little bit better. I got to find enough singles that I feel confident that where I could spread in the other legs where I got a chance to hit it because I'm not going to have a chance to hit it against, you know, any big time better and any better that's going to come to the table with, you know, 
500 or 1,000 or 2,000 to put into that wager, uh, I can't take on those players um, because I'm not going to come with a big enough bankroll to do it. But I think there's, there's some potential there. I don't know if this is the, the end game as to, you know, what makes, you know, this wager, you know, really good. Maybe there's a little tweaking that needs to be done to it. Um, but, uh, you know what, all we could do is keep trying new things and, uh, hopefully one of them sticks as something that's, you know, really good. Listen, Derek, I got a joke with you, uh, joke with you real quick. Of course you mentioned Buffalo Raceway. It's cause I'm sitting here, right? <laughs> yeah, oh, of course. Yeah, well, you know what? It, it really was. I, I was trying to think of a uh, track with lesser handle and, uh, you know, you were on the line. So I figured the, you know, that seemed like the right one, right? <sighs> Well, listen, Derek, we certainly appreciate uh, all of your knowledge uh, about handicapping. You know, this handicapping segment's uh, been something that's kind of uh, taken off for us, kind of trying to, you know, give some insight into what people think about and uh, what people uh, kind of look at when they're handicapping the races. We certainly appreciate it, my friend. No, it's it's been my pleasure, and if anyone wants to get some handicapping advice, they could just uh, go on drf.com slash harness. You have uh, free analysis for the Meadowlands by me every night, uh, Free analysis for Yonkers. We do uh, Woodbine every night with uh, your boy Garnett Barnsdale. We do some <laughs> Northfield, and when Hawthorne opens, we'll have that. So um, check us out on Twitter and Facebook, DRF Harness as well, and hopefully we can uh, offer uh, the, your listeners some uh, interesting handicapping information. Well, Derek, we certainly appreciate it. Real quick, one more before we let you go. Listen, uh, you know, you're kicking my butt and off and pacing too, so you know what? You're, you're hurting us in uh, two angles there. <laughs> You know what? I have a little bit of an advantage. I admit that I started from the beginning, but I also manage my stable, you know, I think pretty well in that I don't have a huge stable. I never have more than 25 horses. I don't make, while I have been making some bigger purchases, I, I, I don't spend my money freely and just throw it around and get down to like a million coins. I always keep, you know, it might seem like crazy amount, but I always keep at least 20 million coins on hand. So I have money to maneuver and do things. And I try to just focus on top horses. I don't race bad horses. If I have a bad horse, I sell them at a loss, you know, just to get rid of them. Because, you know, the the game's more fun when you win and and, uh, you win more when you have good horses. But uh, (laughs) it's a a fun game. It it really is a fun game. It's good to pass time. And I think uh, once they make some um, new innovations, hopefully in the next uh, few weeks with the five-eighths mile tracks and some, uh, driving style changes. I, I think it'll be even uh, cooler. All right, Derek. We certainly appreciate it, buddy. And uh, listen, have a good rest of the day, my friend. No, no problem. Thanks for having me on, guys, and have a great holiday season. All right. That was Derek Gibner from the uh, DRF. Mike, and another wealth of information. I'll tell you what, we've had a uh, a few of those on our program today, and it's uh, so, so, so nice to hear um, you know some of those uh, some of those insights from these people to find out what they look at. What do you you know what are you investigating, and what are you investing your time in when you're trying to handicap a race? And you know the interesting thing about it, Mike, is there are some fundamentals to handicapping, but no two people do it the same. Everybody does it different, and that's really cool to hear some of the different takes uh, from some of the different personalities in this sport. And, Mike, we've got three more awards nominations uh, to announce. Actually, three more awards, six nominations each, and we're going to do so after this timeout on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. 
you played Harness Racing's hottest new game. Often pacing allows you to build and manage a stable of horses. Race at real-life racetracks and list real drivers. Buy, sell, and claim horses. Start a breeding operation and breed a champion. And compete against your friends entire Often Pacing community. Often Pacing is available at the Google Play Store and on the App Store. For more information, follow them on Twitter or on Facebook at Off and Pacing. Twelve championship races. The captain, not to be denied. One spectacular night. And Father Patrick got a coast home a champion here. Breeders' Crown 2018, coming to the Downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono. Pitching up the rail, modern legend there, foiled again, dead game, clear vision laid on the outside, Pet Rock on the inside, photo finish, foiled again, and Pet Rock together, run, 49 and 2. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And uh, we've got a couple of more awards, Mike. And this is the one that I've been most excited to uh, talk about and announce. It's the Innovator of the Year presented by the United States Trotting Association. And this is a new award in 2017 uh, presented to uh, people or someone who has positively helped promote or market the uh, sport of harness racing. And, uh, Mike, this was a uh, Your Idea Award. I have to give you some credit here. You did a good job with this one. But uh, all six candidates are uh, definitely deserving. And we'll kick it off with Ken Turpenning, who runs the Facebook page Harness Racing Replays, where replays are posted for harness racing fans. Um, he draws new fans to the sport by allowing those that have not seen or know little about the sport to watch key races around the country. He also posts replays for owners, trainers, drivers, or grooms who wish to share their on-track successes with friends, family, and others. He started with no followers and steadily has grown his page's fan base to over 2,500 2, followers and likes. He also posts congratulatory videos for folks when they achieve a milestone in their career. Ken also shares his stable successes, partner with trainer Rob Zink, sharing their entries, wins, personalities of their horses, and even his 82-year-old mother, known as the Carrot Lady. And Mike Ken Terpenning actually uh, uh, called a couple of races at a fair that Ayers needed to head to Northfield from. So uh, he's an aspiring announcer, too. All right, good stuff. Our next candidate for a USTA Innovator of the Year is Adriano Sorelli. He's one of the most visible and well-known owners in the sport of harness racing in an attempt to attract new fans to the sport. Sorella started a Team Sorella Scratch and Win giveaway program through social media outlets. He gave away many prizes as part of the promotion, all paid for out of pocket. Additionally, Sorella has used his expertise in internet and social media marketing in order to prove that there are new fans of the sport to be had. 
had. They just have to be activated to get involved. So congratulations to Adriano Sorelli. He's been nominated for the USTA Innovator of the Year. Mike? I don't think anybody will be surprised by this one. Ryan Clements received numerous nominations throughout the process for his creation of the often pacing mobile app. Since its inception earlier this year, Clements and his team have worked tirelessly at making sure they continue to expand the development of their game. It has helped create new fans in the sport of harness racing in a lot of different countries. The game has over 20,000 downloads and between seven and 8,000 active users so far. All right, our next candidate, our next nomination for the Post Time with Mike and Mike Innovator of the Year presented by the USTA is Ryan Macedonio. I don't think it's any, that's any surprise. My creator of the Trotcast has done a lot of work in the sport of harness racing over the past year. Towards the end of 2016, he announced his run for president of the USTA. Though his bid was unsuccessful, he's continued to support the sport of harness racing by working with the Breeders' Crown and going on multiple adventures to different racetracks. Uh, he provides interviews and backstories of some of the sports individuals who may not be in the limelight on a consistent race uh, or consistent basis. Macedonio also works on the website for Lard Racing. You can find him at trotcast.com. He just fired up the uh, revolution uh, with uh, himself along with Jay Hochstetler. So uh, congrats to Ryan Macedonio on making the cut. And, Mike, you're going to love this. If you look at the last uh, episode of the uh, Trotcast Revolution with Ryan Macedonio and Jay Hockstelly. They went video now, and Ryan was wearing a post-time with Mike and Mike hat. There Good you stuff. go. I like it. There you go. I, it's definitely uh, – you know what? Thanks uh, thanks there, uh, buddy. We appreciate that. Uh, Chris Gooden, Mike, is the track photographer at the Meadows Racetrack Casino in Pennsylvania. Gooden posts his pictures and many of his collages on Facebook so the Harness Racing fans and connections can see the work being done on the racetrack. Gooden has helped create some very impressive drone shots that has helped lead the way for new technology of covering racing, which includes providing a live feed of the finish line of each race at the Meadows. All right, our next nomination. Anthony McDonald, the founder of the Stable.ca, a longtime horseman. Anthony, along with his wife Amy, started the Stable.ca in hopes of creating new and aspiring fans in the sport of harness racing. Since its inception last year, they have created many more owners and gotten many more trainers involved in what they were trying to help create. Recently, they had an open house at their farm to help show new people what the Stable is all about. Anthony, Anthony regularly posts videos containing information on the horses in his care and also posts video showing the horse's abilities while training also writes a blog for standard bread canada anthony mcdonald certainly a worthy worthy candidate and i'll tell you what all of them are worth. we've got a lot of nominations for this award of each and every uh, person uh, certainly is very very deserving uh, to get their name mentioned but ken turpening adriano sorella ryan clemens ryan macedonio chris gooden and anthony mcdonald are the six finalists for the Innovator of the Year, sponsored by the USTA. Mike, who are some of the uh, ones also nominated? Uh, ben Blum, the Landy family, Raymond Lance, Rod Allums Jr., Marcus Miller, Jim Brown, and Sony, and Yonkers Raceway, Mike. So uh, a stellar group, that's for short. All right, our next uh, award, and we still have two left. Uh, here on uh, this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, as we start to wrap things up, it is the Upset of the Year Award. And 
Mike, there's definitely a few really good nominations for this one. Let's start with the first one. Hannah Lore Hanover faced the boys a lot in 2017. She made one of her attempts in the inaugural spirit of Massachusetts Stakes at Plain Ridge Park. Turning for home, it looked like it would be down to crazy wild resolve and Hannah Lore Hanover. But J.L. Cruz had other ideas, flying up the passing lane to win at generous odds of 60 to 1 of the inaugural spirit of Massachusetts. And that is nomination one. One for the first time with Mike and Mike upset of the year. Mike? We've all known that the U.S. Pacing Championship has long been one of the classics for age pacers and leading the way for what is to come in the second half of the harness racing season. In 2017, Meadowlands track announcer Sam McKee sadly passed away. The race name was changed to the Sam McKee Memorial. Mel Mara led the field into the stretch, and it looked like he would draw off to win the race easily, but check six came flying on the outside late, and as Ken Morkenton put it, was charging hard for the upset. All right, our next nomination, Ice Attraction. Proved that rainy weather and a sloppy track did not bother her in the Kentucky Philly Futurity as she shocked Ariana G in the final strides at the Red Mile in October. Ariana G's connections made the decision to race her in the easier Philly Futurity. The second heat, however, proved to be too much for her. Ice Attraction in the Kentucky Philly Futurity. Up for nomination, Mike. Hanalore Hanover uh, is mentioned too many times in this award, that's for sure. Uh, she entered Hoosier Park for the $70,000 Indiana Sire Stakes final with a few narrow defeats, but on this night, she faced easier than normal company. Hanalore led for the first three quarters of the race, but when Charita got to her turning for home, she used the passing lane to move by the champion and score by four and a half lengths. All right, another one for upset of the year. Beckham Zetam entered the Breeders' Crown with the hopes and dreams of the state of Indiana on his shoulders as he faced some of the top three-year-old paces in the country. Down by the seaside, controlled the pace of the race, but around the last turn, Ricky McCumber made a very impressive move to cruise by in the final 100 yards to give trainer Jamie McCumber her first Breeders' Crown victory. Beckham's Zetam, upset of the year, perhaps. Mike, one more. All right, and Snowstorm Hanover completed a weekend of upsets when he rallied by Devious Man in the second heat of the Kentucky Futurity to win in 153-2. International money made a break before the start and proved never to be a factor in the race. When the field turned for home, yes, Mickey was in front, but he dealt with pressure from What the Hill and a covered Snowstorm Hanover covered up Snowstorm Hanover, who stormed a victory, providing a 5-1 to upset after finishing second at 82-1. to in the elimination. All right, so down to the final six for upset of the year. Who are you going to vote for? You're going to vote for J.L. Cruz's upset. It's 60 to 1 in the spirit of Massachusetts. How about Check Six's win in the 2017 Sam McKee Memorial at the Meadowlands? Ice Attractions, Kentucky Philly Futurity win, defeating Eliana G. How about Charita defeating Hanalore Hanover uh, in the uh, Indiana Sire Stakes final, right? Absolutely. Charita. How about Beckham Zetam? Uh, Mike obviously winning the Breeders' Crown. That's uh, That was uh, not an upset in odds, Mike, because I think Beckham Zetam got a lot of hometown love on the odds board, but nonetheless, certainly an upset. And Snowstorm Hanover uh, in the uh, defeating, uh, rallying by Devious Man in the second heat of the Kentucky uh, Futurity to win there. So 
Definitely some very, very interesting candidates for upset of the year. And we're going to tell you how you can vote in just a moment. But first, Mike, we've got one more award to announce the nominations for. And it is the Foiled Again Iron Horse of the Year Award presented by our good friends at Often Pacing. And Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about Tough Love? Tough Love. Let me get the uh, list up here. Sorry, I'm running social media as well. So uh, we uh, listen. Well, we are you're a very hardworking man. You're a hardworking <laughs> man, Mike. You, you, you're battling a lot of different obstacles over there this morning. Uh, our, yeah, our our our, uh, our social media has absolutely blown up uh, uh, over the awards. But the foil again, Iron Horse of the Year, presented by Often Pacing. Uh, Tough Love is raced throughout Ohio and Kentucky during his short 14-year-old campaign. He was purchased for nine thousand dollars, and on excuse me, on October second. 2004 at the Kentucky Standard Bread Sale. He has raced over many racetracks throughout his long career and was a Virginia Bread champion at age two, winning the final in 153. Tough Love set his lifetime mark of 150 and four on November 18, 2009, against Claiming Company at Pocono Downs and tied the mark at Harris, Philadelphia. On July 18, 2010, he has won 57 lifetime races with 59 seconds and 59 thirds out of 434 starts and has earned just under $600,000. Tough Love is owned by Wesley E. Davis of Pickya, Ohio, and is trained by the owner. All right, Quicksilver Candy was purchased in May 2009 by her owner, Larry Stahlbaum, from Australia. She began her winning ways by capturing a matinee race in the Cradle of the Trotter at Goshen Historic Track in Goshen, New York. Quicksilver Candy successfully raced against Open Mares at Pocono and Yonkers. She set her lifetime mark of 151-2 and two at the Downs at Mohegan Sun, Pocono. In 2017, Quicksilver Candy set Western New York on fire as she climbed up and down the class ladder, winning 20 races and 44 starts while banking just over $108,000. She has won 61 lifetime races with 38 seconds and 38 thirds out of 238 starts and has earned over $675,000 in purses. Quicksilver Candy is trained by Kim Asher and owned by Larry Stahlbaum of PA. Special thanks to uh, Tim Bojarski for that bio. Mike? All right, the next bio is Wes Key. And, Mike, this was the horse I was talking about earlier. It's a 14-year-old trotting gelding that seems to be getting better and better with age. Uh, he raced exclusively in claimers on the Ontario B circuit uh, this year and has uh, amassed an impressive record for any horse, let alone a senior citizen, who is competing in his final year of racing. Wes Key has compiled a record of eight, eight first, six seconds, and six shows from 36 starts for earnings of $28,067 Canadian for trainer-driver Tyler Borth of Ingersoll, Ontario, who also owns the gelding in partnership with his father, Bill Borth. West Key has earned more than $323,000 the hard way as he has made 290 starts exclusively on the B tracks and didn't earn a dime of his money in stakes races. He has amassed an impressive record of 59 wins, 57 seconds, 30 second shows, in those 290 starts behind the gate for a 20% win percentage and a 53% rate of finishing in the top three. Thanks to Garnett Barnsdale for that bio. 
All right, our next nominee for the Foiled Again Iron Horse of the Year, presented by Off and Pacing, is Spunky Vic, a 13-year-old trotter. It was purchased for the small price of $3,500 at the Windy City Sale in Illinois on August 20, 2005. He's currently owned and uh, trained by Artie Foster of Harrington, Delaware. Spunky Vic starts his career, on the started his career on the Illinois uh, circuit under the care of Roger Welch. He raced against some very good company in the Sumac Lad at Balmoral Park when he finished fifth in both the elimination and the finals. Shortly after, he was transferred to his current connections. He has faced open company and strong condition company on the Delaware and Pennsylvania circuits throughout his career. He has 322 starts with 42 victories, 65 seconds, and 53 thirds, and has over $682,000 in purse earnings. Spunky Vic, Mike. All right. Hello, Carlo uh, was purchased as a two-year-old and sent to trader Larry Claybaugh, where he spent his entire racing career. He raced on the Ohio circuit and had a few starts in Western New York during his career. Hello, Carlo said his career mark of 155 and four at Sider Downs during a late closing event on August 1st, 2009. Uh, during his career, he won against Open Company and scored his final win of his career on February 7, 2017 against Condition Horses at Northfield Park. He concluded his career with 377 starts, 71st, 47 seconds, and 43rd place finishes with purse earnings of $348,363. He is owned by Mario Capone of Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, and was trained by Larry Claybaugh. And last but not least is the 13-year-old trotter, Captain Primo, currently racing on the free old circuit in New Jersey. Captain Primo started his career at Hippodrome, Three Rivers, and Ridu Carlton Raceway in Canada. He was sold in 2007 to his current owner-trainer, Connie Swenson, where, he's been, uh, where he began pacing on the New York and New Jersey circuits. Captain Primo has currently made $397,347 with 47 wins, 30 seconds, and 30 thirds and 271 starts. He set his lifetime mark of 153-1 and one on June 4, 2010 at the Meadowlands at age 6. So, Congratulations to all the nominees for the Foiled Again Iron Horse of the Year, presented by Often Pacing, Tough Love, Quicksilver Candy, Wesky, Spunky Vic, Hello Carlo, and Captain Primo. Mike and voting will be open very, very soon for all seven of our categories. It's a 2017 post time with Mike and Mike Awards. Once again, Mike, can you tell people how and where to vote? Yes, uh, you can go to posttimewithmikeandmike.com. The link is live right now. You can begin voting on our website right now. <laughs> can you hear me? I got you. Okay, I guess uh, I picked up the I was I was publishing the website the uh the player on the website started playing. <laughs> so, anyway, you got a little bit of a uh, delay then. Yeah, a little bit. So, uh you can uh, visit posttimewithmikeandmike.com. The link is live right now. You can also uh, go to the Survey Monkey link which will be uh sent out to everyone uh here in just a couple of minutes. So, you can head to our webpage right now, start the voting, posttimewithmikeandmike.com. All right. Well, Mike, we certainly appreciate everybody joining us. Special thanks to all of our sponsors and congratulations, Mike, to all of our nominees. Uh, Like I say, this is going to be a wide, wide open first time with Mike and Mike Awards. I think in each and every category, Mike, I think we've got some uh, absolute – 
wide, wide open races. So I was thinking, Mike, and you know we like to have our production meetings on this very show sometimes. I was actually thinking, Mike, maybe we can do a contest where if everybody picks all seven winners, maybe they get a prize or maybe a prize to somebody who picks, uh, you know, the majority of winners. Give them, well, give them something to handicap. What do you think? Yeah, but, but, but well, they'll have to send it to us in an email because uh, the voting is um, – the uh, voting is obviously uh, that we won't know who does what vote. So uh, send us an email. Oh, that's true. Let us know. Yeah. Let us know what seven uh, people you picked. Uh, it's, uh, obviously, we're using the honor system here. Uh, Mike, <laughs> post time with Mike and Mike dot com. And listen, you know what? I, I got a good one, Mike. How about this? If anybody picks all seven, we're giving trophies away this year. Yeah. If anybody picks all seven you'll receive a post time with Mike and Mike trophy. How about that? How about that? That's a, that's, that, that's a good deal. I like that. That's a good deal. So uh, for more information on that, uh, we'll put something about it on our website. Uh, so you could uh, log on there, obviously follow us on social media, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Well, my good friend, anything else? No, I'm sending the press release out now. The link is out on uh, Twitter. It's getting ready to be out on Facebook. Uh, don't forget to get your votes in. Post time with Mike and Mike.com through SurveyMonkey, uh, through any of those outlets. And we'll see you back here next Thursday with the first post of 1030 in the morning. Good night, everybody. Closing time. Turn all of the lights on over every boy and Can't stay here I know